0: The Destiny Foundation is proud to present this 12 lecture series entitled Reflections of Rabt Saddock HaKohen, Part 1 by Rabbi Beryl Wine. This, the ninth lecture in the series, number 911, is entitled Truva Thoughts by Rabbi Beryl Wine. This year, as you know, the first day of Rosh Hashanah was on a Shabbos. And the Mirza Hashem, the first day of Sukkot, will also fall on a Shabbos. And when the first day of Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos, so then the halacha is that we do not sound the shofar on Shabbos. So Machlokas, the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi holds that in Torah, we don't sound the shofar on Shabbos. The Bavli holds that it's because of the fact that someone may transport the shofar or carry a Dalai in the street, but however it is, we don't sound the chauffeur on shops. We also don't bring the little an rig on shops. We don't take the Arba Minim on shops. So I have a story to tell, which is going to serve as an introduction to the few words that I want to share with you tonight. Among uh, my many great accomplishments in life, is that I made one young man a reform rabbi. And the story is as follows. Uh, when I was a rover in Miami Beach, so our shul was on one side of the street and on the other uh, side of the street, almost kitty corner to us, was one of the largest reform temples in the United States. The rabbi of that temple was a Yorubshah yeshivaman who, uh, through the Gilgulim that only Jews can invent for themselves, ended up being the Reform rabbi in this congregation. Uh, But he was a very good guy. He was a nice man, fine person. And I was able to have some sort of personal relationship with him, even to the extent that uh, he would come uh, clandestinely and learn with me uh, a few times a month. I had favors from him, and he also had favors from me. And we were uh, on a first name basis. One Arab Pesa. about uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm waiting through the lettuce. And I get a call from the Reform Rabbi. He says to me, he says, uh, Barrow, he says, when you say, uh, Kol Dichvin, Yeisei Vyivza, Do you really mean it? So I said to him, well, I said, uh, you know, uh, let's put the sermonics away and tell me what you want. (laughs) So he said, well, I'll tell you, he said, it's a very strange story. He said, I have a son, and my son is graduating now Brown University, and he's been accepted to the Harvard Law School. And he's a very brilliant boy, but over the years he has had nothing to do with Judaism whatsoever. He doesn't even attend the Hillel services, he has nothing to do with anything. And he came home now unexpectedly, we didn't expect him for Pesach. and he said he'd walked in the door two hours ago, and he said to me, he said, Dad, he said, I don't want to go to the community seder in the temple. And he said, and I don't want the Seder that we have at home, you know, with the Episcopalian minister down the block as one of the guests. (laughs) He said, I want to go to a real Seder. Can you get me to a real Seder? So he said to me, will you take it? Can you come have the Seder by you? My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Rabbi Mrs. Keller, whom you also know very well, they were there with pace face, our children, their children, fine. So he came and he was with us to the Seder at 1.30 in the morning. And from that Seder, he decided that he's not going to go to Harvard Law School. Instead, he went to Hebrew Union College and he became a reformer. <laughs> if I would have had him for the second Seder... <laughs> Maybe we could have done better. But in any event, he has remained in touch with me. I'm like his guru. And uh, he's a very, very talented young man. The tragedy of the matter is that they're on He really, you know, he would like to do good things for the Jewish people. But he doesn't know how. But he would like to. And he's a reform rabbi in a, a sizable temple, sizable congregation, in a uh, city in Ohio. I think it was four years ago, or maybe five years ago, the Yomtiv uh, came out as it comes out this year. That the first day of Sukkos fell on Shops. So after Yom Kippur, I get a call from him. He says, Rabbi Wine. he says, I have a tremendous problem. And I need your advice. What's the problem? He said, the tradition in this temple is, for 85 years, they don't have a little of an esri. It's superstition. It's primitive. It's not part of the progressive modern world. They don't have a little of an esri in the temple. He said, but I came... And there's a whole bunch of young people in the synagogue now, young couples. And we all got together and we decided we want to have a little Vanessa. we want to have a little Sukkot. So we ordered 35, we got 35 orders of love and a The ritual committee found out about this incipient rebellion. So they had a meeting. And they called them in, and they said, you know, you're violating tradition.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're reforming reform. How can you bring it in? We haven't had for 85 years. We don't want it. The old ones don't want it. And the young ones say that they want it. So the chairman of the ritual committee said to him, he said, listen, he said, you can't be more religious than the Orthodox. The Orthodox aren't going to have a Luliv and Esri on the first day of Sukkot. And by the reform, there is only one day of Sukkot. So therefore, he's out, right? <laughs> only in America, right? I'm sure he So he said, So what should I do? They called up the Orthodox rabbi in town who was foolish enough to answer. And he told them, they're right, you know, because they the robber, you know, they're not going to have it. He said, what should I do? So I said to him, before I answer, before I tell you my opinion, tell me, what did you say to the ritual committee? What do you say? So he said, you know what I told them? I, he said, I told them the Orthodox have a Shabbos, and therefore they don't need the little of we don't have a Shabbos, so at least let us have a <laughs> little You know, what he said is the Balorakeach. Nibbo B'loyodom Asher Nibbo. The case Engel <speaking> in the Ginyone Ashas, in Sukkah brings the Balorakeach. The Balorakeach says that pshat that wanted a reason for why chazal had the temerity to undertake not to have the and Maneseric and not to have the chauffeur on Shabbos is because of the fact that Shabbos itself is an oath. Shabbos is everything. If a Jew has Shabbos, he doesn't need anything else. <coughs> so we can even give up the shofar. We can even give up the and Maneseric. We have Shabbos. Shabbos will carry us through. But he said, never if you don't have Shabbos, then what do you do? So my friends, I want to tell you a fairy tale, a fantasy that the Gemara tells us. The Gemara above Basra on the fine Gimel on the Bays, the Gemara quotes there fantastic stories from one of the great itinerants in the time of the Talmud, Rabba Barbar Khanna. It's called Guzmos, the Rabba Barbar Khanna. Guzmos means exaggerations, fantasies. Fa- it's a fairy tale. But all the fairy tales of the Gemara come true. Otherwise it wouldn't be in the Gemara. Because Al recorded it for us. They came to tell us something. One of the fairy tales of Rav HaVarachana is a description of our society a description of the Jewish world, the individual Jewish world, and the collective, the broad Jewish world. Omar Rabba Barakhano, Baba Rabba said, Sayisi Once I was in a boat. I was taking a boat ride. We were in a ship. And there were many passengers in the ship with me. And from afar he said, I saw a great fish. I saw a Leviathan. The great fish. But the great fish was so large that it had sand dunes that had formed on top of its back. And in the sand dunes, there were lakes and ponds, and people built huts. And everybody from the boat said, Look at this beautiful island. So they got off the boat. The Lushan of the Gemara there is that they made a barbecue. We baked and we cooked on top and nobody knew. I thought, everybody thought that it was dry land. Everybody thought it was solid, secure, that they're on dry land. So when the barbecue got hot, the fish didn't like it anymore. Is happe? The fish turned over, and the fish turned over. Everybody drowned. <laughs> Rabba Baruchana said, "I also would have drowned, except that I still was in the boat. I still remained in the boat." The story of the Jewish people over the last three hundred years. Is Havamina the We thought we were on dry land. We didn't know that we were on the back of the fish and that the fish was gonna turn over in the middle. People think they're on dry land. I remember that when we built the building in Munsi for our yeshiva, so the base of Medrish is supported by four very large beams, timbers. So I purchased uh, the timbers from a company in Canada that makes ship timbers, special company, and they guarantee the timber for 80 years against worms and against uh, pests and against warping. It's guaranteed for 80 years. So after the order had been placed, and the timbers were about to be shipped. So one of the balabatim on the board said to me, he said, Rabbi, I don't understand you. He said, you know, there are timbers that you can buy from Finland that are guaranteed for 300 years. And it's just, you know, it's a few pennies more, relatively speaking. So why do you buy this? Why don't we buy the one that's guaranteed for 300 years? I told them, I said, 300 years in the Golas, for the Puerto Ricans, you're going to build a building? Who's going to be here 300 years from now? Monsi. People think they're sitting on dry land, right? Nothing is going to move us when everything in Jewish history and everything in the Neviim and everything in Hasenim. very fragile. I mentioned that uh, in Shul, that Arab Rosh Hashanah, so we have a Jew that always says Selichus, it's, since the Shul has been in existence 16 years, so he's always been the Baal Shachar Arab Rosh Hashanah, for Selichus. So, Rachman uh, al is a diabetic, and in the middle of saying the sliches apparently had taken a wrong dose of insulin or something and he couldn't say the words didn't come out he couldn't say and he practically collapsed until we got him some orange juice to drink and sat him down and everything it took him five minutes he came back to himself somebody else finished up the sliches so after it was over so I remarked to somebody. I said, "This is the of sliche, right? What I need a big, you know, what I have to say. Words. That's us, right? One little imbalance, and you're out. We all thought that it was Yabusha, upon we're on solid land. Everybody, you're right? Robert Campo." He bought Federated Department Stores, Allied. He was a a, a billionaire, right? Today, so he, he overreached, bought one deal too many. Because the boy, nothing can touch him. All of life is deathless. Elo <coughs> HaVe B'Svina. If I would not have been in the boat, Rabbi Arachana said, Rabbi mitboi, I would have drowned. (laughs) The only way that we don't drown in God's world is to stay in the boat. The boat is Torah, the boat is mitzvahs, the boat is goodness, the boat is morality, the boat is honesty, the boat is everything that the world mocks at. The proves it to us. We have, we have one shtickle little Medina in the world. Right? The Mina di Right? There isn't a Jew in the world that feels that we're on dry land. Everybody else is in good shape. Everybody else can settle all their problems. We can't. Is it not something... Should not one stop for a moment and consider it? That we're only on the back of the fish? If we don't stay in the boat? So then we'll be cast over, Rahman <coughs> If you have a Shabbos, so you're in the boat. If you have a home, if you have a family... I say now in Shul, I say it openly. I say, people ask for a bracha. What bracha should you ask for? Comes There's a long list to hand in to the Rebbeinah What if God said to you, you'd have one wish? What would we wish for? In our generation, I think the wish is to have Jewish grandchildren. You want. That's the wish. Everything else is not even secondary. Everything else doesn't come. It's not within the realm of discussion. But that takes effort. You gotta keep the boat floating, you gotta make sure it doesn't leak too much, you have to protect it. As I'll tell us, there were two boats that saved the Jewish people, that saved the world. One is the boat of Noah, when the whole world was drowning. And the second one was the little crib of Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher Moshe. And Medrash asked, what did God have to do boats for, right? What did God have to tell Noah to build a boat for on in 20 years? And Matsushmishruga, he's building a boat, the whole world is laughing at him. What's he building a boat for? So, would make the boat this way, that way. Oh, even Ben Shemuel will save him. And by Yocheved, the mother of Moshe, so it says that the entire house was lit up by his countenance. And they knew that it was Boshim Shal Yisrael, the man that's going to save all Yisrael. So what does she have to make a little crib, And it says that she covered it with pitch and she put it in the Nile. But the Medrash says that the Rabonish Sholem saves only those who make their own boats. That's how God works. God gives us a certain insight into how He works in the world. You want to be safe, then you have to make your own boat. A boat takes a long time. You have to be careful. It has to be made to specifications. It has to be able to float. And that's what Rabba Barachana came to tell us. In the great story of the Akedah, that we read on Rosh Hashanah, which is the basic foundation story of the Jewish people. The Akedah is not an historic event as much as it is, again, the story of Kalam Yisrael yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So in the great story of the Akedah, so I saw an insight But again, I wish to share with you. So it said that Avram had here Hurei Dvori. Avram thought over the matter. So there are many things that he thought over. But one of the things that he undoubtedly thought over, which is the reward for the akeda. For his behavior, was that Avram Avinu was justified in saying, "Why me? Why do I have to? Why do I have to bring Yitzhak for the Akedah?" <laughs> Avram Avinu said, "Look at my brother Nachor. It says in the parsha, Nachor. She, uh, she had eight children: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No problems, boots and booze, and Kmur el Avi Aram and Philnosh. nothing. No problems." And come, come, you know, me and my old rebbits, and we always contrast one little kid at the end with a miracle. They got eight without anything. The Arabs of 17 countries without any problems. One little child, Al-Ayyou, you'll take him up and you'll bring him for an over. Uh, from field, did it and all he had here, for Dvorim, he's willing to do it. So the Malach announces to him, Avraham, Avraham, don't touch him, don't do anything to him.
1: Now I know
0: that you're Eil Hakimata. Now I know the level that you have achieved. The great Avraham, so it says, Vayis Vayar. Avram turns around and he sees. What does he see? Vayar. Wherever those words appear in the Chumash, so Vayar means, as we would say in Yiddish, with a He sees not just what he sees now. Because that's the same Lashem that says, Vayaris HaMokom When he first came, he saw the Shekinah and Moriah He saw everything. So he sees, There's somebody else there. There's an aisle, and the aisle is not willing to go on the Mizbeah. The aisle is not Yitzvah. There's an entire section of the Jewish people that is not willing That wants to be excused. That wants somehow that the cup should pass over them. And they should not have to be bound by it. And Avram feels also, why should I have to? Why is it up to me? I always have a, a typical Jewish joke. Uh, Sender Gross in front of the brocha told me the first year I was in Miami. He said that the one year he came to Yerushalayim, right after 1948, and he stopped a Jew on the street, and he asked him for an address. He said, where is this building But a Jew says, there's 100,000 Jews in Jerusalem, and you have to stop me? <laughs> That's how yeah, well, you have to stop me, right? No, it's not my problem. Why me? The isle cannot run away, because it is entangled in the bush by its horns. Because I'll tell us the two horns of the isle, one was the shofar that was sounded at Sinai. That was the shofar of Sinai, the shofar of Torah whose echoes still reverberate throughout the Jewish people, every place where there is a Jew that studies Torah. <speaking in Hebrew> I'm reading now a book by Yosef Mendelovitz. If you have a chance to read it, it's in Hebrew. It's called Mitzah Hasana About his 11 years in the Siberian labor camps. You have to read it so that you have an understanding of what what a Maimon is, what a Jew is, what the Jewish people are. So he writes there that the KGB major said to him, Mendelovich, we're going to kill you. He caught him wearing a yarmulke, and made his own yarmulke. Since I read that, I have a different view of wearing a yarmulke the yarmulke. So he said, if you don't take the yarmulke off, we're going to kill you. So Mendelovich told him, I'm not afraid of your killing. You want to kill me? Kill me. KGB couldn't afford to kill him. They wanted him to die, but they couldn't kill him. So the KGB major was so astounded, he said to him, Mendelovitch, aren't you afraid of death? So Mendelovich answered him, he said, I am not afraid of death because I know that death comes from the hands of the Creator. And therefore, he said, I am not frightened of it. But you think that death comes from the hands of Brezhnev, and therefore you're in terror. China. Wherever there's a Jew, he hears it. And if you hear it then you're trapped, you can't run away. And the other karen, the other horn of that isle is the shofar that will be sounded, Bo'yavayom alu yitoka b'shofar godoth. On that great day, the great shofar will be sounded. That's the shofar of Jewish destiny. Jewish destiny is Nechaz Basmach the You can't get away. You can't run. Ray Gumler mentioned Russian Jews. Eight years ago in the yeshiva, we had a Russian student, and his father brought him to the yeshiva. And when the father brought him, I didn't have a chance to talk to the father. Six, seven months later, the father came again to visit the, his son. The son made great progress. The son now is a big London. He's near Yerushalayim. He's, he's in the cable near Yerushalayim. He's a big bentator. So I said to the father, tell me, why did you bring him here to the yeshiva? Because the father was a Jew that knew nothing, absolutely couldn't read a word of Hebrew, knew nothing, not observant, nothing. So he said, I'll tell you why. He said, when we came here to the United States, both my son and I were not circumcised. We didn't have a grist. Not only that, I was determined that we were not going to be circumcised, because I remembered that in our town in Russia, when I was a boy. So every man that was circumcised, they shot. And therefore, we need to. There's an organization in our area I mean, it may exist here, also Brisa Rahum, an organization that is devoted to making brisans for Russian Jews. It made thousands and thousands in our area. And they're very aggressive. She said, they came to my door and they knocked on my door many times. They said, I'm going to have a bris, you want to have a bris, you want to have a bris, it won't cost you, it's medically safe, everything. She said, so finally they wore me down. I agreed that my son and I would have a bris. After he had the bris, he said, then I decided I would bring him to the yeshiva. Because he said when they come to shoot him, at least he should know why they're gonna kill him. Nechaz <laughs> The Jewish people are wrestling in a struggle that the Ravon Shalom has placed us, and there's no escape and no way out. The chauffeur of Jewish destiny, the horn of Jewish destiny, it's Nechaz Basmach Bekarnov, the idol has nowhere to run. Avroma saw that. Vayar, Avroma Zeno Vayar. He picked up his eyes and he saw that. He saw that you can't get away from the Torah. He saw that you can't get away from the chauffeur of Jewish destiny. So he saw that you have to be willing to go on the Akkadah willingly. That you have to go on the Akkadah voluntarily. That's the only way that one survives. The last train to Auschwitz was 2,500 Jews who converted to Christianity. They were the last customers in Birkenau. And therefore Abraham saw, he saw past us. He saw that the Akedo is part of Kualisro. And the Akedo is sacrificed. It can be ultimate sacrifice, it can be lesser sacrifice, but it's sacrifice. It's time and it's money. It doesn't allow us to say, why me? It doesn't allow us to run or escape or hide. It gives us none of the luxuries that somehow a Western man thinks he has. By having that, So then the Ravon Shalom says, then that's the test. Then the world is yours. But if we're not willing to pay the price, we cannot live up to the standards. If we frighten, we don't have the power of our own convictions. Then, to a great extent, nechaz basmach bekarno. We're controlled by the destiny anyway, but we cannot do it willingly anymore. The joy is removed and the purpose is almost lost. Last time I was in Detroit, I spoke to my father in law shul. I told a story that I want to repeat tonight again. Most of you were not fortunate enough to be there. And those that were, I say the story for myself. I me, mean, it's the story for us, he made you. You want to hear a story for us, he made you. One of the problems that always bothered me in the Chumash is regarding the name of Moshe. Moshe is not his Jewish name, it's not his Hebrew name. Moshe is the name that was given to him by Basia Basparo, the daughter of the Pharaoh who saved him. She said, I saved him from the waters. I drew him forth from the waters. So Moshe is Eric, Kevin, Jeffrey, Lester. It's not, it's not, it's not his name. The Medrash tells us Moshe had beautiful names that his mother gave him. see. Avigdor, Yehona, son, those are the names of Moshe. And yet when Moshe walks by the burning bush, so Ravonishel calls out to him, Moshe, Moshe. And we say that God is not true? That God doesn't call people by their Hebrew names? Why did He call them Moshe? What what lies here? So I thought of an insight. When I was there at Sesoyah last in Yerushalayim, so I went to Yad Vashem. And at Yad Vashem now, there is a new memorial building that was built in memory of the one and a half million Jewish children, one and a half million Jewish children under the age of 12. And I went with two of my grandsons. If you go with two of your grandchildren, then the number one and a half million takes on meaning. Otherwise, it's just number. There was a Jew, a Hungarian Jew by the name of Spiegel, who was taken from Budapest in 1944, 45 years ago, with his wife and his five-year-old son, and brought to Auschwitz. And ten months later, Spiegel left alone. The Lord brought Spiegel to the United States came to Los Angeles, to Beverly Hills, and he made a tremendous amount of money in real estate and retailing and all sorts of things. A very, very successful person. And five years ago, he came to Yad Vashem, and he gave them four and a half million dollars that they should build a memorial for his son and for the other million and a half children. Since then, he's given them another nine million dollars to fund them. So, I wanted to go and see what Spiegel built. And I had a preconceived notion. I've seen many Holocaust memorials. So, I thought I would see archives and records and photographs, exhibits. And therefore, I was completely unprepared for what I did see. You walk into a room, the room is Eight, nine, ten stories high. And the room is maybe six, seven times the, the width of this Mokhan Kodesh. And the room is pitch black. It is dark, so dark by Yomesh that you cannot put one foot in front of the other if you don't hang on to the rail. And your eyes hurt you from the dark. and after a few moments when you begin to adjust to the darkness you notice that in the middle of this enormous room there is one little candle that's lit in the middle of the room and by the genius of the designer of the architect the light from this candle is reflected through mirrors and metal and water so that there now are a million It's a tape recording that plays, a voiceover, and the tape recording says nothing but names. Hillel Cohen, three years old, Vilna; Chane Goldberg, seven years old, Krakow. Chaim Mendel Zaks, eight years old, Sarajevo. Names, 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 till you can bear it no longer. I'm told that there are 85,000 names on the tape recorder. And you run from the room. And when I went out of the room, I thought to myself, I didn't hear my name. I'm of the age, I'm of the generation. I didn't hear my name. And I said to myself, with silent vow, if I didn't hear my name, I'm still going to try and do something. I'm not going to give up. I'm not just going to let it happen and say I can't do anything. So I have to take in more boys in the yeshiva. I have to try and reach more Jews in the shul. I have to be a better person. But I have to do something. My name is not there. And I thought to myself, maybe that's the insight into Moshe. (inaudible) Moshe Rabbeinu and his little crib, the crocodiles were there to eat him. He should have suffered the fate that happened to the rest of the Jewish children in Egypt. So the Rabboni Shalom, when he wanted him, called him, Moshe, 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 you're here. When the Rabboni Shalom calls Moshe, so then you have to answer in name But to call them, you could see El, Avigdor, Yehonasan, he could say, I'm busy. I'm running to do a mitzvah. Can't stop. Kostir says that by the burning bush, everybody saw the burning bush, but nobody had time to stop. Everybody is running, everybody's in a hurry. God saw that Moshe stopped. God said, Oh, that's my man. I'm waiting for him. I'm looking for somebody that stops to look. Why is it not consumed? Our generation is Moshe Moshe. They're not an extra Jew in our generation. There's nobody that's not on the front line. There's nobody that can't do anything. There's no one that is exempted from the Lord's work. And in the Aserishim Echuvah, if we rededicate ourselves to what we ourselves know to be true innately within us, we know that it's only the back of the fish. And we know that it's <laughs> nechaz v'asvach We know that we're motion. And if we behave accordingly, that becomes the mark and the standard of our lives. So Nasher because you have done this great thing, Kivorecha Vorecha, And the Ravonishalam's blessings will shower upon us in an abundance unimagined. And we and all of Klan Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael... Obi Zochet to a good and happy year to be sealed in the book of life and of peace Obi Zochet to Sinachonasion Uvignon Yurush. Thank you. This concludes lecture number nine hundred eleven Chuva Thoughts by Rabbi Beryl Wine. For more information, please contact the Destiny Foundation at one eight hundred four nine nine Wine. That's one eight hundred four nine 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 three four six or at our 24-hour fax number, 845-356-7733. We can also be reached by email at info at jewishdestiny.com or online at www.rabbiwine.com. Due to copyright laws, we kindly request that there be no duplication of this tape or CD except through the Destiny Foundation.